Welcome to Despirituality. I was just listening to Bill Simmons on his great podcast, and he has a very inspirational way of creating and communicating his sports podcast. If you haven't seen it, you can go uh, download the Bill Simmons podcast. What's it called, Nathan? The Bill Simmons podcast. The Bill Kim- Bill Simmons podcast? On the Ringer. The Ringer Podcast Network. The Ringer Podcast Network. We're doing his job for him, you know. But uh, he's really great. And if you like sports, you'll love it. But uh, today we're going to be talking on deep spirituality about how to have a quiet time. And it's a series that some of you probably have already been embarking uh, or endeavoring to uh, use uh, in your quiet times and in rethinking. It's meant to cause us to question what we are doing and make it better and make it meet our needs uh, more effectively. Uh, Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by four guests. Um, Rhett Snell is here uh, representing the uh, journaling elite. Uh, (laughs) Melissa Olivares is here representing the visual elite. Uh, Kiara is here. What, What elite is Kiara here representing? The emotionally elite, <laughs> and Cameron Straw is here representing the elite of the elite. Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, they're all going to help today in talking about purchasing a journal. Before I do that, I want to get into uh, a section that um, a friend asked me about, and it's section four, or step four, I should say, of our series, How to Read the Bible Spiritually. And since he was asking me this question, I didn't go to work on writing another piece on it uh, or creating a podcast for it, but I thought I would address it now, and then we'll get into the journal section. He was asking about step four. How do you read? Can you say more about reading the Bible spiritually? I mean, not reading the Bible spiritually. Can you say more about reading the Bible literally? The section is called How to Read the Bible Spiritually, but one of the things I talk about in there is reading the Bible in a, in a literary way, and that refers to the way that... Um, Professors uh, in in college, primarily, uh, sometimes in high school, teach you to read literature. And the reason this is important, and I can give you a reference uh, for my buddy out there and for all of you who are like, yeah, I get all those sections, but the, the literary way of reading the Bible seems a little, a little different or strange. And some people may feel it's strange because it's associated in many ways with reading the Bible as literature, which is people who don't actually believe the Bible is true. That's not what I'm talking about or writing about. What I'm writing about is the ability to combine spirituality with the ability to visualize, with the ability to comprehend and to enjoy language. And so the difference in words is what people in literature are about. There's a book uh, that you can look at that will probably help you more uh, with this uh, than, um, than even I can. Um, in the short in the short amount of time uh, I have, it's a book by C.S. Lewis. There's a book by C.S. Lewis called "The Reading Life." Uh, not many people may necessarily know about the reading life. Uh, they may know about C.S. Lewis, but there's a quote in there. But as Mortimer Adler once remarked, "quote In the case of good books, the point is not to see how many of them you can get through." but rather how many can get through to you. Literature and the reading of the Bible in a literary way is about making sure that the Bible is getting through to you. you know, when someone reads literature, they're, they're visualizing the story. They're seeing the people in the story. They're visualizing what they were like. They're visualizing 
where they were at. What is it like when Jesus is sitting by a well? They're not just reading the text. They're not just gaining the information. They're letting the story sink into them. And when you let the story sink into you, you're allowing the spiritual meaning of the Bible to sink into you. It is relevant that the Bible says that the eyes of the people listening fastened onto Jesus. It may not be a command. It may not be a rule for you to obey, but it's relevant because it shows you and allows you to feel the charismatic nature of Jesus's presence, the way the spirituality of Jesus was so magnetic, not his talent, but his spirituality was so magnetic that when people heard him, they were riveted on what he said. That's not accomplished by taking classes on rhetoric. That's accomplished by reaching a level of spirituality, purity, uh, righteousness, and ultimately that means a close relationship with God, they become powerful. So when you want to read in a literary way, you're trying to join the reader's life. And I think that oftentimes we only understand reading from the Bible from a theological point of view or from a critical analysis point of view when we miss out on a lot of the deep things in it and the story in it that if we can visualize things, they end up sinking into our heart and imprinting it. So those are a few words about reading the Bible in a literary way. Hopefully they help my friend and we'll be doing that section in a podcast in the future, but I thought I'd give that to you now. Hopefully you didn't mind that, didn't bore you. Uh, We're going to talk about purchasing a journal now. That first section was unplanned. This section is planned. Let me begin by reading. Purchasing a journal. Step two, how to have a quiet time. Here are the stages in the journey of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt by divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses recorded the stages in their journey. This is their journey by stages. Numbers 33, 1 through 2, NIV. Strawberries, a now defunct record store, was my favorite place to shop with my college friends for new music. I visited the Boston Kenmore Square location more times than I can count. But until I became a Christian, I never noticed there was a Christian bookstore next door. Once I became a Christian, I entered this novel shopping destination. There I purchased my first leather-bound Bible, Christian music, and discovered journals. At first, I couldn't see a reason to purchase a journal. Then I noticed other Christians taking notes while listening to sermons. They also whipped these journals out during conversations to remember insights, inspiring scriptures, and sometimes special moments. Eventually, I decided to purchase a journal, and they have been a part of my quiet times ever since. The purpose of my journal is to record the stages of my journey, just as Moses spoke about in Numbers 33, 1 through 2. The stages of my journey include the following. Number one, redefining scriptures. Scriptures that help me reimagine my life, those that ignite my vision of the future so I can let go of the past. Breakthrough scriptures, scriptures that help me break out of stagnating patterns, break free from being stuck. Personal Bible studies, these come from studying a book in the Bible, sometimes enhanced by a spiritual book or article I'm reading. I try to find a personally applicable theme as I read, something for me to learn that speaks to a spiritual need in my life, i.e., obedience, humility, faith. I select scriptures, create points or questions for myself, and then work daily to remember and obey the lessons learned. The great thing about these studies is they're shareable. 
And once shared, I've discovered they can inspire others to change just as they inspired me. Number four, spiritual goals. There's no journey without a destination. And my spiritual goals map out my journey. They are my roadmap. These can be as short as seven days and as long as 10 years. Visual learning. There have been a host of influences which have encouraged me to use pictures, drawings, graphs, and a variety of other visual tools to make sure the things God is teaching me are imprinted on my heart. Check out more on visual learning at the link in the article. Improving focus, number six. Handwriting is increasingly rare. I have had people stop and compliment me when they see me writing by hand as if they're seeing a Jedi Knight wielding his lightsaber. I'm a believer in the power of handwriting for increasing focus, sustaining attention, and improving retention. Dr. Perry Kloss supports this perspective in her New York Times column, Why Handwriting is Still Essential in the Keyboard Age. You'll find that link also in the article. Number seven, improving retention. When I think about how to fulfill the command of Psalm 119.11, quote, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, unquote. Then I remember those monks who copied the scriptures before we had the printing press, how incredible their retention was and ours can be if we will learn from and imitate them. A quote from the article, How Was the Bible Distributed Before the Printing Press, Biblica, again the link is in the article, describes this work. The work of copying the scriptures was undertaken in earnest in the monasteries in the Middle Ages. Several thousand monasteries were established across Europe, and for many of the monks, making copies of the scriptures was their chief's task. They became the true guardians of the text and produced literally thousands of magnificent Bibles. Teams of scribes and artists worked with parchment to produce incredibly beautiful works of art. A scribe taking dictation might use as many as 80 quills a day. And artists embellished the work with intricate designs and illustrations. You will notice I don't use my journal for taking notes on sermons nor do I use it for doing the journaling where people write out how they feel. This type of journaling can have positive and negative impacts. Read more on the link in the article. I have a separate notebook for taking notes. With regard to journaling emotions, I find it best to turn to God. God alone has the power to unearth hidden emotions and help us differentiate between those that are true and those that are false. Psalm 139, 1 through 7, Jeremiah 17, 5 through 9, New Living Translation. He is the one who helps us develop emotional awareness, emotional depth, and emotional discipline, which together make us emotionally strong, Ephesians 3.16 NIV. All of this happens in prayer, where God teaches us how to turn our powerful emotions into passion for his purposes. Check out these articles on Deep Prayer, Empowered Prayer, Defeating Darkness Through Prayer, all have links in the article. At this point, you're probably excited about purchasing a journal, but wondering which type to purchase. Remember that a journal is personal, even emotional. Selecting the correct one can encourage intimacy with God and a deeper sense of attachment to the vision he has for your life. So think wisely and creatively, then take a look here to get a good look at a nearly perfect creation of journals. And you can click on the link there and find, uh, I believe, a New York uh, Review article on uh, purchasing journals. The link is in the article. Pardon the interruption, but I wanted to let you guys know 
about a new thing we have going on at deepspirituality.net. At Deep Spirituality, we believe when we spend time alone with God, it should be the most delightful experience of our day, anticipated, cherished, and then savored. That is why we developed How to Have a Quiet Time, a comprehensive guide. This guide breaks down every aspect of having a quiet time with God from choosing the Bible translation that will help you connect with God differently, using a journal to record the stages of your journey with God, to learning how to move God in prayer. Head over to www.deepspirituality.net to check out the comprehensive guide. Whether the day is good or bad, hard or easy, painful or pleasurable, it is our morning time with God that should help us sing with joy or endure with gritty determination. Make sure to go to www.deepspirituality.net to check out the comprehensive guide of how to have your quiet time. Now, back to the show. And so now, after we've been able to kind of review the article and take a look at what it says, I want to pull in our guests and get them on the start for discussing the topic, purchasing a journal. Rhett looks like he's ready to get going. I don't know what he's going to say, but it's all yours. Um, no, I definitely appreciated reading through the article. It made me, uh, even coming onto the podcast, I was like, we're going to talk for 45 minutes about purchasing a journal. What are, what are we going to talk about? Two hours. Oh, two hours. Okay. Shoot. I'll have to push back, push back my lunch and my dinner. Um, but anyways, it, it did make me this morning kind of think about, okay, well, why do I even have a journal? Like why, why do I write in one and, and think about like, I I really liked that, uh, link that is posted um, the positive and negative benefits of writing a journal. Uh-huh. Um, looked over that and that kind of made me question like, okay, how much, what am I getting out of so, this so emotional splurging? Question. So have you ever thought much about journaling before reading that? No. Oh, cool. I, I, I have any of you it. guys ever thought about journaling before reading that? A little, but I don't think I was implementing anything effectively. <laughs> no, but I mean, right. did any yeah. of you take it that seriously? No, I just kind of like went with whatever... You know, I thought I needed that day. It was helpful to just have like, what should I be doing or what are things that I can do? I just thought everybody so, had their own well, Melissa, thing. you're a graphic artist. So do you like have a sketchbook or something like that or you do everything digitally? Um, so, well, usually I just need anything just to write down my thoughts. Oh, I meant when you're doing art. Oh, when I'm doing art? Yeah. Um, I kind of do things digitally. <laughs> digitally is okay. So do you have, do you have a, a, an application that you use? Uh, just Illustrator. I can't use Illustrator. <laughs> I, had, I owned it years. I owned it before you were born, I think. And, uh, I do do sketches though. You can occasionally, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's really good. Oh, you are. Yeah. Are you, you sketch in the in Illustrator though, right? Or no? Um, she does all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So it's good for me to just write down like my rough ideas and sketch them out at first, and then I'll go to the computer. That's what I meant. Because part of mm-hmm. part of the thing that taught me a lot about journaling actually was looking the the, the whole idea of journals and journal. Jur- using journals was not the journaling that Brett yeah. referred to. Yeah. It's what artists do because mm. a lot of artists you, you find, I used to find the best journals in art stores and a lot of artists, they, they, whereas I write to remember a lot of artists draw to remember. And there are even books on taking visual notes. I own three of them and they're all about how to take notes on a lecture but you use visual note taking and that you remember better. But I, I, and it even, they'll even, you go online, you can find this, they'll even teach you how to draw. Like the people who do it will say, okay, here's how you draw. And it's funny, there's a TED talk about it. It's funny how easy it is to draw. I just bring it up because I think one of the things we may be running into is that a lot of people just haven't ever explored this area before. So let's start by talking about, and we'll kind of move it to, I know Cameron's thought a lot more about this over the last two weeks or so, right? Something like that. So why don't you tell us what you've been thinking about? Well, 
I think uh, sort of what you just mentioned with, with the way that we talk about journaling, I, I realize that the way that I define journaling is kind of the way most people do. You kind of write out your emotions and all these different things. Right. But seeing that there's maybe a more effective way to spiritually connect with God and learn more from the scriptures, like you said, retain yeah. more, you know, whether it's memory or whatever. But I think even that scripture makes me think about it. The most recorded the stages in their journey. Like, um, for instance, this morning, uh, like I've done different things, but for instance, this morning I, I've compiled my journal differently now where I, I have a section where I, I record different things that I'm grateful God has done recently. Right. Um, and, and that's helped me to reflect. And then, you know, if I'm reading a scripture, it'll remind me of that. Like I read, I was reading Judges this morning. I was skipping around a little bit different word study I was doing, but it they were talking about not forgetting God and what he was doing. And I was right. like, oh, yeah. And it reminded me, oh, yeah, I have my gr- gratitude section where normally I would just do gratitude journaling because that's what someone does. Like, that's a thing, yeah. you know? But it wasn't necessarily connected with the scriptures and a part of my regular note-taking and quiet time where where now I'm kind of getting more of a conviction on what the Bible you know, is saying and yeah. maybe something that's helping me retain more. And so right. I found that um, I'm still, obviously, I think I have a long way to go in being disciplined yeah. with that. I don't think I'm always, you know, maybe getting everything out that I should and of the Bible, but also out of my self, I guess, um, in what I'm right. writing. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the journey I've been on, but seeing the difference, I think I never really thought of like, to, to, to your question. I never really thought until very recently, the last couple of weeks about, Okay. Well, oh, there is a difference, and I am I just journaling emotionally. And so, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Your thoughts are really good. Do you, have you ever spent a lot of time like writing down scriptures? Like you look at your Bible and then you actually write the scripture out. I I can't say I've done that in quite some time. I used to do that before my smartphone came out. <laughs> yeah. I used to take notes and and have little scriptures with me. Right. And so I'd rewrite them to memorize them yeah. and hold them. You know, yeah. keep them with me throughout yeah. the day. Yeah. And now I just kind of copy paste. Yeah. You're looking at me like you're looking at me like I'm judging you. <laughs> I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. Leave me alone. <laughs> don't give me that look of you're oh judging me. You're making, you're making me feel terrible about yeah, myself. I, don't, I, don't, I can't say I do. Too well, this is that. an interesting topic, right? And and if you've read it, uh, the section at all, you know I have I have opinions about it. But my opinions are not like um, they're they're personal. I don't yeah. think that everybody works the same way. Right. I don't even like the term journaling, even though I I'm picking it up from some of you. Uh, I, I've always called it writing. Right. So I, I feel like I'm writing. And so when it enters the, and I'm not against it. So I think if it helps somebody emotionally to sit down and write out all of their emotions, that's great. I mean, do it. The problem I think can run into is when that becomes your way of dealing with your emotions and God is, he's pushed out of it. Secondary. He's not even secondary because you're 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 using up what I believe you do, and you and I, Cameron and I, have talked about this uh, off uh, offline, so to speak. Is I think you have only so much emotion, right. and so where you put that emotion is going to determine, you know, where it, where it goes and usually where it stays. Right. It's it's that way in in uh, with God. It's that way in marriage. It's that way in dating. It's that way in friendships. Yeah. If you know. In my marriage, if I'm giving all my emotion away to a bunch of other people, right, then when I go home, I'm not going to have much emotion for my wife. Got nothing left. Yeah. So if I'm doing all this emotion over here, right, whatever you know, and I do think journaling does positive things. I've heard right. about 
people with addiction issues that do it, people right. trying to remember and deal with certain emotions. So I'm not, yeah. I don't want anybody to read that and go, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. That's part of the problem with Christianity right. as a as a rule-based entity is that we tend to re- hear something, we think, oh, that's what I've got to do. No, right. you want to think about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, well, and, I, I, want, I, I totally hear you, and I think that's the, the thing that I'm remembering. I, I was writing about that because I, I realized that what you're saying, the cathartic kind of feeling of just getting out of emotions um, and in, in that taking the place of, of, of a relationship with God is something that I think I was doing way more often than I realized. And, and that was, you know, I don't think giving, getting me, getting me, uh, I guess I wasn't getting enough out of the Bible as a result or in my prayer. I, I've always had a hard time praying, but I think um, a lot of it could probably be attributed to the fact that I'm you know, kind of emotionally cheating on God. I guess you could say. By like, <laughs> yeah. by, uh, you well, know. I, I think I think what it is is that there's a totally there's a huge difference between verbally communicating something and to a person or to a God, right? Yeah, and writing it in a journal, which is basically communicating with no one. Right. Yeah. So if I write down, I really feel sad today, then I'm aware of my sadness, but I'm not communicating it. I'm just internally becoming aware. Now here's the trick. If you write down in your journal, I am sad today. It's been a really hard day. The dog, you know, the car splashed me with mud. The dog peed on the carpet. The, yeah. the energy company charged me double what I thought I was gonna get charged. Love love love. <laughs> <laughs> but if you write all that out and then you walk away, you have communicated that with no one. Right. And what emotion is meant to do is connect us to people not just to be examined. Emotional intelligence is not about high levels of internal awareness. It's about high levels of internal awareness that allow me to function better in my relationships, in my work, in my family. And so to me, the dilemma comes, I'm not against what I think almost all of you like journaling. I'm not against that, but I think we have to examine what's the purpose of what we're doing. And that's really what How to Have a Great Quiet Time is about. It's about saying, these are not the rules. These are, you need to be thinking about some of these things. And what Rhett talked about, it was surprising to me when I wrote it that I put journaling in there. That guy, I, I don't even journal. Yeah. Like it's surprising to me that I wrote, a, get a journal. But it's a, it's a, the journal and writing is a big part of what I do. And I, I do, I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell everybody everything I do. I can't give away all the secrets. You know what I'm saying? I'm like Bill Belichick. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm like Bill Belichick. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you everything. <laughs> but I, I think we have to have a discussion in this discussion about how even difficult it is to talk about the topic right. because we don't think it's important. Yeah. And the reason we don't think it's important is in the digital age, we've lost sight. And let's, let me pick up Nathan's statistics here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've lost sight of, uh, um, There's an article, it'll be in the show notes for this um, podcast. The pen is mightier than the keyboard. Advantages of longhand over laptop note-taking. Psychological science. There's a quote, paper note-takers' brains are working to digest, summarize, and capture the heart of the information. This, in turn, promotes understanding and retention. And I've actually, I think I actually read that a long time ago, but uh, I didn't reference it in my article and so part of what we have to do is go if you're just writing out how you feel what are you learning mm-hmm. what are you retaining mm-hmm. and if you if you can't go communicate it to another human being what are you learning what are you retaining 
And so mm-hmm. that's something important. So let's talk about just when you look at your own quiet time, let's just go back there a little bit. Yeah. When you look at your <clears throat> own quiet time and you've all read this or part of it. Yeah. 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 What did you think about your own quiet time when you were doing it? Like when you look at your own time with God and you read it, what did you think? Did you think, oh man, I'm, I'm nailing four of the five steps. I'm, 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 I'm six for six. Uh, I'm, or I'm, I'm weak in this area. I'm strong there. Or did you just think I've never thought that much about it? Or did you think this is obsolete? I've gone beyond this, man. What, what, what was your thinking? Well, I think I'm like the, what you were talking about earlier, the rule following Christian. So I was like, man, this is overwhelming. How do I do all these things? And how do right. I think through yeah. all this stuff? Um, but I just tried to figure out, okay, well, what's one thing that I haven't really been thinking about. And I, the thing that stood out to me was the creating a sacred space one. Um, cause it, I've, been going I I do that sometimes where I'll go to places that I really like or I know I know that I need that like I know being near water or something like that for some reason that I don't know that like gets my emotions going or or gets me thinking about God more in nature um and so it kind of made me go okay I haven't been connecting that well with God I've been going to this coffee shop the last couple weeks maybe I need to get back out there and go let me just ask a question because you you, I I love that so the thing you I couldn't. I can't remember what word you used. Did you say the thing you related most to, or what was that about the sacred space part? Uh, that I connected. That uh, oh, I haven't been thinking about this. I haven't really been taking this seriously. Did you read it and figure out what your weakness is? I think. Well, I think it was the prayer part, and that's what made me think about the sacred space. Was because oh, I'm not really thinking. I like I'm not taking so it seriously. I, I where I go, just play pray. devil's advocate, right? Yeah. So if you saw the prayer part as the area you need to work, yeah. Why wouldn't you work on the prayer part instead of finding a space? I guess it was easier. I don't know. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, but that's the way I usually work. That's I'm what like, the, art, oh, the articles me, for that. The articles, and the, I think it can get, the article can be uncomfortable if you read it right. Yeah, because the article is actually there to make you go, okay, um, what do I got? What do I got to look at? What do I have to question right. in my life? Yeah. And so as I wrote through it, it was all about questioning. Yeah. Right. And, and the and the first thing I questioned was, you know, why haven't I written this before? Mm-hmm. And it's because I don't think I really believed that anyone I didn't really think I had any secrets or anything particularly that insightful to say that anybody hadn't already done. But people come to me and they're like, oh, I never even thought about doing that. I didn't even think about it. Said, well, I, how, what are the key books of the Bible? I've never even thought about anything like that. I think about this stuff all the time. So one of the things you want to do if you're out there and you're reading it, and I think is you want to take on the area where you're weak. You don't want to take on the area. I'm strong in reading, so my focus is prayer. I'm strong in emotion, so I'm trying to figure out how do I become obedient. And I think if you approach the article from, I'm really, I'm really attracted to that section. That's probably the section you need to stay away from. <laughs> Melissa, what are, you, what are you thinking? Is your I don't care what you 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 can jump around. Just okay. what do you think? Um, well, I was I actually got pretty excited after I read this, only because like I realized about my own quiet times. I was like, oh, they're kind of dry. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I felt like each section had a little bit more depth of like where I can go. Like specifically with the journal one that we're talking about today, I thought like the spiritual goals one really like stood out to me because I was like, Oh, like I don't stop and reflect a lot. Um, I just keep trying to go and go and go. It just, each section kind of added so another layer. Am I ambitious? Yeah. You uh, said the spiritual goals part. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. 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 And it helps. See, I think a lot of people are ambitious. They become Christians. And they don't know what to do with it hmm. because everybody says it's bad. It's bad to be ambitious because they forget it's the selfish part that's bad. Bible never said the ambition part was bad. But a lot of people who don't have any ambition 
just want to say selfish ambition, ambition, all of it's wrong. No, ambition is really good. Ambition is, is, is the Holy Spirit combining with your spirit to cause you to believe there's a destiny that God has in mind for you. And then our job, Proverbs 16, is to figure out the steps of the plan and let God guide us. So I think that's a really, a really good thing. Did you try doing anything like that? Did you try working on that? Um, have I tried like the spiritual goals part? Did you try to think about it or anything? Um, huh? Or, or set, set any, any goals? Not Setting's yet. hard until you think about it. Not like, yet. No? <laughs> Not yet. Are you? So give us your process. So you, you read it and you thought about it. Mm-hmm. Then what happened? And then I think I tried to move on to something else. Like, Oh, you did? Yeah. Why? <laughs> like another thing. Because I don't know. I can stop and think about this. Like, or I guess like it depends on like what I go through. Like the past couple of days, I'm like, oh, well, this area of my life really showed me that I need to work on this. So I guess I should change gears and work on this now. I get and then it. I kind of leave everything behind. I get it. And never that finish. Makes sense. <laughs> you're, you're looking like it. What does that make? What, what does that feel like? To, to What are you real? You look, are you realizing something right now? Um, maybe that I don't reflect that much or I keep like, I never finish anything or yeah, I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> I'm just curious. A lot yeah. of when I'm asking you guys questions, just, I'm very curious about it. I, so I think one of the things that can happen is that, and I experienced this is our, 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 our issues change each day. Yeah. yeah. And the, the question is, should our focus change each day? What do yeah. you think? I mean, I don't think so. I, I, I think so for something I've been doing for a while, I don't think this is something everyone has to do, but I, I was having, I noticed a severe change in my anxiety levels when I just focused on something for a whole month instead of studying something new out every day. Cause I was, I think especially as a young Christian, there were so many things growing. I think there still is a lot, but it, if I'm always, you know, and you're getting thrown a Bible study over here, somebody's helping you out over there, and then you got your own quiet time, and someone's preaching something over there, and then it's mm-hmm. there's it can be overwhelming. But I think if I can pull from those and add to what I'm growing in, um, you know, what I think God's trying to show me, it usually helps. Not that I don't look at stuff people send me, but I think to, for a quiet time, I think I need to be grounded in something that's, you know, I can see myself getting conviction and growing closer to God in an area because I, for me, it. it I found it's really stabilizing. Part of the interruption to the podcast, we wanted to let you guys know about something really cool happening at deepspirituality.net. I have Mike and Amy here to tell us about some of the latest stuff going on with the newsletter. Mike, Amy, tell, tell the audience, tell the listeners, uh, what, what, what do we have cooking in the lab? Well, listeners, hopefully by now you've seen on Deep Spirituality on our website, we published not too long ago a comprehensive guide uh, called How to Have a Quiet Time. And it's a beast. There's a lot to it. It's a great guide. There's a ton to it. Um, But some of the feedback we got was it's a lot of stuff. How do we tackle that? How do we break it down? How do we approach reading this when, you know, it's not necessarily something you can do on one sitting, right? Yeah, so what we did is we went ahead and broke this guide down into um, into a 14-day set of emails. So basically, you'll get a little piece of it, a, a kind of a bite-sized piece, depending how big you bite, um, but a bite-sized <laughs> piece of it um, in your email every morning um, for 14 days, and it has you know the, the Quiet Time Guide broken down. Plus, we put in there some additional resources that are about that section of the guide. So you can really take your time to go through the guide and process it, digest it, apply it to yourself. 
um, hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of something we want to make a, a key thing that we, we talk about at Deep Spirituality, right? It's how to have a relationship with God, how to build and grow. Not that we're experts or anything, but there's so much to talk about on that subject, you know, like your personal walk with God, that uh, we didn't want to just be like a, a one and done thing. You read a thing, you move on. So I think our hope was you spread this out over a couple of weeks and every day you focus on just a little specific part of your relationship with God, you know, your routine, you know, how you approach reading, prayer. There's so much to talk about. So uh, if you sign up for the newsletter, um, you get a nice two-week course um, that should help you out. Hopefully, I think it's pretty creative, pretty fun. There's a lot of things to dive into there. Let's go to deepspirituality.net. That's our website. And you can register right there at the top to send your email address. And uh, the next morning, you'll get your, your, your day one email. Great. So like Mike and Amy has said, we have launched a special edition of the Kickstart Your Quiet Time newsletter. By signing up for our newsletter over the following two weeks, you'll have taken a tour dedicated to helping you learn how to develop a deeper walk with God. Every morning, we'll send you a section of this guide to focus on. We'll also send you related media like podcast episodes, videos, Spotify playlists, and other articles that supplement that section for the day. Whether you've been reading the Bible for decades or you're building a relationship with God for the first time, our hope is that you'll find spiritual tools in this newsletter series that will make your quiet time with God the highlight of your day. Now, back to the show. Do you even like the idea of having a journal? Let's start there. We'll start with you. <laughs> um, I do because I need help processing things. So for me, I mean, I did start out writing out my emotions. Um, and I think along the way, too, I just draw things or write charts or um, just break up things like big concepts. Like when I was um, studying the Bible, like the charts that people would show me helped me yeah. more than what the you? scripture said um because i understood because i don't always get a lot out of just like big chunks of text so then i could like what see did it big chunks of text do to you uh stress me out and yeah. make me feel like i have to know like and the what bible it's saying. has a lot of that right yeah it's not like it's like a you read a section of text and then there's not it's like it just you can buy some versions of the Bible that have some quotes in between and some charts, but pretty much it's a highly textual experience. And what you have to talk about is you are the one who actually took the the long content of the article and put the the visualizations in there, right? That was Melissa who's on the podcast if you're listening. And so you can see that how to have a quiet time. And this actually um um is Melissa, there's a a graphic within the How to Have a Quiet Time series. It's a summary from the Deep Spirituality devotional, and it shows you what's in the article. Number one, select a Bible translation. Number two, purchase a journal. Number three, finding a sacred space. Number four, how to read the Bible spiritually. Number five, how to move God in prayer. Ooh. But it's all done visually. So the truth of the matter is, you could throw my article away and just print that <laughs> out, and you would know a whole lot about what's going on. We did that, by the way. We, we printed it out. <laughs> we printed it out and gave it to the people. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. All right. I, I'm, I'm happy you, you guys accomplished a goal. But, um, uh, so, so what I'm trying to get you to talk about for a minute, Melissa, and the others can join in, yeah. is why did you make the graphic the way you do? So there's a set of books, and then there's an open journal. Like, you actually put together a journal. I saw this. I looked at this, actually. You actually put together a journal that looks something like my own. All right. And so I was like, wow, that's pretty cool that she did that. And you you were able to somehow read it 
and talk about it and then get your head around how all of these things looked, finding a sacred space. I mean, it's a beautiful graphic. So how did you even, how did you take the text and create that? Um, so first, well, at first I had to print it out. And okay. then um, I just started reading through it, underlining things, and then just like drawing little doodles next to it. Um, and then kind of I had to, after I read it, I had to like scale back and like look at the big picture and like, take out what's important. I'm pretty good at making things really short and concise. I'm not good at being deep usually all the time and like extending things. So um, being able to summarize things is something that I like to enjoy because it helps me understand. Um, But then also, yeah, I think, I don't know, I was just trying to think of like um, stuff that like, yeah, like think of like how people would understand these concepts like visually and like stick to their heads yeah so when Um, you say when you say doodling what's that um i'll just like sketch like at the corner of my paper um sketch like little people or just like i don't know words like tell me like okay words tell me how that is um so if i want to remember like a concept like i'll just like take out keywords and like like write them differently and then like make many charts or something like Okay, yeah. so that's called, uh, I, I have a couple of books on that. That's called uh, Sketch Notes. And so that's a concept. Uh, there's a couple of authors. There's the Sketch Note Workbook, Advanced Techniques for Taking Visual Notes, Sketch Notes Field Guide for the Busy Yet Inspired Professional. And so there's a whole set of sketch notes, and that's what you're doing. And what I would call what Melissa was doing is spiritual doodling. Now, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. But what she basically was, was doing is reading and then finding a way to visualize what she was reading. Mm. Now, why is that important? Let's say someone has dyslexia or a reading challenge of some type, or they just get, as Melissa was talking about, it's overwhelming to see thousands of words, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Going over each time, and I would say that it's not that you're not deep, it's that you know how to simplify. I'm not good at it, it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I've worked on it for years, but I'm not a good simplify person. People need simplification. Now, why is that important if you're having a quiet time? Because if you sit and listen to somebody with a long writing, talking style, with all the complexity, you may just sit there and just numb over. But if you learn how to take it, maybe listen to it a different time, and then just do, I'm making up the term, do some spiritual dueling as you do. Somebody talks about journals. Maybe what comes to your mind is fish. I don't know. I don't know why that would be. But then you draw it out and some makes make some connection. Yeah. I don't think we have to always take the text and have it go straight in our head and our heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to take the text and make the text meaningful to us. Mm. And so I think what you just described and what your, your I'll call it chart or graphic does, is it really helps somebody. I hope everybody goes, gets it, prints it out, pop that in your journal and open it out and just go over it and say, okay, let me start with the, the Melissa's graphic and say, which one of these five areas do I think if I were to change that area, it would revolutionize my relationship with God? Yeah. Hmm. That's the one. And I want you to be thinking about that, Rhett, because I'm going to ask you, which one of those five areas, if you said, I dedicate myself to this one, I think it would revolutionize my life. What are you thinking about, um, uh, Kiara? You didn't. You haven't yeah. had a chance to speak in a bit. Well, I was just going to say, even as far as the infographic, it helps to see it all because it helps me focus. Like I, out of the journaling thing, like the thing that's probably the hardest is the spiritual goals one. Cause I have a really hard time focusing. Like I'm very emotional. It'll be, okay, what do I need to do today? Or like, what am I feeling right now? And I'll be focused on that. And then it's, 
it's hard. I mean, it was it was challenging and it was helpful going through this article because because um, it really made me reevaluate how I do things. I just do the same thing every day, and I'm like, okay, well, this is just how I do it. But um, but as far as like focusing and really connecting with God, um, connecting with the scriptures, I can't just go and write out everything I feel because even what you're saying earlier. By the time I read the Bible, I'm exhausted by my own emotions and myself. Um, so what I've been doing is even just waking up and going out before anyone else is out, which I, I think I got that from like the sacred space part yeah. um, in the city, you know, or whatever. But it's uh, but just going out to like before the sun comes out and just being alone so, by myself. So what did, you know, you talked mm-hmm. a lot about focus right there. What did you think of number six, improving focus? Handwriting is increasingly rare, rare et cetera, et cetera. I am a believer in the power of handwriting for increasing focus, sustaining attention, and improving retention. So three things that handwriting can do is increase focus. And again, in the show notes, we'll have more more references for this if you really want to research it. Um, Increasing focus, sustaining attention, improving retention. Yeah. So handwriting does those. You say you have a hard time focusing focusing because of uh, emotions. Yeah, yeah. So how how could handwriting maybe help? Do you think it could help or you go, no, that wouldn't help? I think it could help. I, I think... Um, what I've been doing since reading it is actually writing out um, a scripture, like just a couple verses or whatever, and, and then breaking it up and being like, what does this part really mean? Like what? And then writing it out like this is what the Bible's saying. Um, Have you ever tried something like memorizing scriptures? Oops. Yes. Yeah. Um, not often. I don't do that often. I think so I'm a really emotional person, Red, as you know. And um, <laughs> what I've found is number one, and because you're talking about emotions, keep yeah. you from focusing. And I think a yes. lot of people feel that. Do any of you feel that other than Kara? Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. So the number one thing I had to realize, I don't know if this is in the article or not, or it's a, a one I'm, wor- I'm working on one on emotions that's going to come out at some point when Nathan pays me the proper amount of money. <laughs> uh, but uh, just joking out there. But uh, so one of the things I had to realize is that I believe my emotions more than I believe the Bible. Yes. And so I think the first step to being able to focus in your quiet time is accepting that your emotions are contrivances of your own making at least 50% of the time, i.e., I'm not focusing because I want to think about something other than God. Mm-hmm. Right. You're looking at me, though. I'm strange, right? What are you thinking? No, I'm just learning a lot about emotions on this podcast so far from what, what, oh, we, I, what, yeah, yeah, what no. we talked about at the beginning about giving it out and then yeah. now talking about this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, dang. This well, is- I, I think I think that what what I learned, what I'm learning, I'm not there. I'm working on this is I had to I had a, I had a, I had a week because I, I actually I actually um, do respond to whatever happens in my life. But the reason a journal helps me is I'm able to go back and look at the day before and see what was I what was my progress in the day before. Oh, and I can actually spot when I start getting distracted from the thing I originally said. So I sometimes have five days in a row where I feel my quiet time's awesome, but I've completely forgotten what I said I was actually gonna work mm-hmm. on. And so I have to come back, because I did that with being, you know, letting my emotions control me. I had to go back one time after about six days and go, wait a minute, wait, wait, let me go back. You know, I went back on purpose in my journal six days and I was like, oh man, I had this incredible quiet time where I had all these ideas and insights and awareness about emotion. But now I've drifted into, I'm worrying about, you know, paying bills or I'm, 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 I'm all into this. And so I had, what a journal does is by recording your journey, it allows you to go, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Not that. And so I would encourage anybody who's really emotional or has a challenge that 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 uh, that Carol was talking about is what it is for all of us who are that way is we just really prefer feeling 
to listening. Mm-hmm. We just really prefer yeah. our thoughts to God's thoughts. Yeah. It doesn't mean we have to take ourselves out of it, but a quiet time is supposed to be a, a, a relationship between two people, not a moment of, of, of respite for yourself. Yeah, and, and hopefully it will turn into respite. So I think the first step, though, is going, you know what? I prefer my emotions to scripture. I uh-huh. prefer my emotions to obedience. I prefer my emotions to listening to God. I prefer my emotions to listening to other people. I, I let my emotions determine my reality. I yeah. did all that. Yeah. I did all that. Yeah. And I went, okay, my emotions are consuming me. They are a God. And then once I got there, then it was about telling people that that truth, not just keeping it to myself, you know, and right. journaling I'm going to you guys' term, journaling about my emotionalism. Boy, I'm really emotional. I can't believe how much I let my emotions control me. Oh, no, I didn't do that. I went, God, you've got to help me have a heart to stop being deceived by how I feel. And so I've started identifying it and saying to people in that moment when I feel I'm doing it, I'm letting my emotions distract me. I've had people say to me in the last five weeks, I think you're, you're," because one of the things I do is I hold on to emotions. They said, you're holding on to that too long. You got to let it go and move on. And so if people know where you're at and you're working on it, boy, it can change your life. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the other thing that I was going to say with that, though, too, is I can think that I'm like letting it go or I'm because I'll like write out. um, And and some people can do this, but I'm so emotional and so consumed with my emotions that I'll like end up writing. I'm like, I'm going to tell God I'll write out a prayer to God in my notebook or journal or whatever. But then somehow it's still like, I'm still focused on myself. It ends up not being like, a, and, and then at the end I'm like, like and then at the end I'm like, oh, what if I write amen? Like then I, it counts. Or something. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people are like that. The one thing you'll notice though, is that you didn't say anything about um, accepting the fact that your emotions are often a lie. Yeah. The reason you can't let go of it because you still believe it's true. Right. Because yeah. you want it to be true. Yeah. Like my emotions were, I should play in the NBA. <laughs> I want it to be true. Yeah. But my coach said, it's not true. Yeah. You're going to be on the bench, not the NBA. Well, the National Bench Association. That's where he put me. <laughs> well, I think that's an interesting thought. See, yeah, go, go for it. No, I wait. think that's an interesting thought, too. It just made me think about how, because I, 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 I think I'm in the same camp with Kiara a lot of time, which is staying in my emotions. But I'm wondering if it's because I'm not getting enough from the Bible, so I'm not retaining it. So then I don't have that truth to be able to see the lie of my emotion in prayer with God where I have nothing to combat it when I'm praying about it. I'm just like in it and I stay in it. And I think that happens more often than not with me where I'm just kind of like, you know, like I'm, cause I can be a really bitter, I am a really bitter guy. Most of the, like, that's like one of my go-tos, I guess you could say, as far as like, course, I, I blame, yeah, I blame and, and, and people or circumstances or God. And I think, uh, yeah, like it was like a week, I think two weeks ago, I was just like the whole week I was just in it. And, but I'm sure I was having, I, I'm sure I couldn't have been retaining that much from what I was. Well, you know, one of the things it points out in the, in the, in the journal section, and maybe you guys will go back and take a look at it and get new insights here. Redefining scripture, scriptures that help re- reimagine right. my life, those that ignite my vision of the future so I can let go of the past. Right. So part of it is when you're trying to let go on your own, it doesn't work. And I'm, right. I'm just building on what you said, uh, Cameron, yeah. that was really good. Breakthrough scriptures, scriptures that help me break out of stagnating patterns and break for, free from being stuck. So if I don't have a, the, I think we have to remember, I did, I'm, I'm doing some, I did some work today, this morning about the power of the word of God. Right. I think we have to believe that when we write out by hand a scripture, Based on science, it's getting into our brain, it's getting into our heart, it's changing us. Just like the reference to Mm -hmm. Psalm 119. 
I think in in, in our discussion, we keep going back right. to feelings, but we don't go back to truth. Right. Yeah. And truth is more powerful and more important than emotion. It right. is. Truth is the is the the border. Right. It's the it's the guardrail in life. And so if you don't have any guardrail, meaning if you don't have any scripture, if you don't have any conviction about scripture, then your emotions can go anywhere you want as long as you want. Right. But if you really believe scripture, then you will definitely be emotional. But right. you will recognize my emotions have gone outside that truth. Cameron and I are both in the nutrition a little bit, right? Yeah, we yeah. like to talk about it and everything. But one of the things you and I know is there are foods that'll make you go outside the guardrail, <laughs> right? Definitely. They'll make you jump the guardrail. <laughs> yeah, for Am sure. I right about that? And there are a lot, and you have a, we won't get too much into this because <laughs> people will be freaking out about what they can and can't eat if they listen to us. But yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand that diet is very similar to emotion. And so oh, what we do is we connected. go, I got to have that cupcake. If I have that cupcake, I'll feel good. Yes, but the truth is you might feel better if you got up in the morning and went for a walk. <laughs> right. But you don't want to listen to the guardrails. You want to listen to our emotions. And I think a lot of people really believe, I, I'm one of these people, that my emotions are so trustworthy that I maybe have to rethink the scriptures because right. they're not cooperating with what I feel. And I think that's something that journals can do yeah. when you get down and notice how scripture heavy the journal section yeah. is redefining scripture, breakthrough scripture, personal Bible study, spiritual goals that are still built around the Bible, visual learning. Again, it's built around the Bible. It's right. it, what uh, Melissa did with the chart. And so I think you want to be thinking a lot about we want let's let's try to see if in this podcast we can get to a point where all of us can sort of agree about some of these principles about why maybe our emotions dominate us so much and what we can do use a journal to do to break us free of that dominance. Can we have right. that discussion for yeah. a few yeah, minutes? I'm, totally, go for it. Well, I was just gonna say, like, I think as far as like going to my emotions, it's because I don't really, and rather than the Bible, like I don't want to listen to God or I don't want to listen to the Bible because I don't want to agree uh, with God. Like I don't want to agree with the Bible. Like for example, one of my things, uh, core sins is jealousy and envy, but I can often make that into an emotion. I feel jealous or I feel like I'm a victim and I want to, I don't know, somehow like, I don't know, get empathy. I don't know. Just kind of stay stuck in it rather than when even going through um, like through this part, like the redefining scriptures breakthrough. What does the Bible really say? Like writing right. it out and having to face the truth where, you know, like in James, it's like it's 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 from it's devilish. You know, it's it's bad, like the the jealousy, how it consumes and how it, it hurts other people. I don't like those truths. And so let's let's take that scripture okay. in context. Right. Oh, okay. I'm going to read out the New Revised Standard. OK. Oh, OK. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. So the context of that passage is a great passage you refer to, and I've looked at it a lot in my life, trust me, and I'm older than you by a lot. So I've looked at it a lot. The context of that passage is how can you live a good life? That's the context. Mm -hmm. All right. The context, Brett, you with me on that? Yeah. I'm okay. You're going to hold me accountable okay. to make sure I stick to this group. Yeah. So the context is a good life. Then it says, verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Mm -hmm. So the context in verse 13, here's how to live a good life. Mm -hmm. Wise, you know, that kind of thing. It really means spiritual. Then in verse 14, he says, here's how you ruin a good life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Bitter envy and selfish ambition. So what you want to do, I think, is you want to take a passage like this and you want to write the whole thing out. Mm -hmm. 
So the first thing, verse 13, how to have a good life. Verse 14, bitter envy, selfish ambition in your heart, mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's it, bitter envy and selfish ambition are gnarly, sticky things. So they stick to you like, like a good T-bone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right? And he says, do not be boastful and false to the truth. So what is our reaction when we're not living a good life and we're being bitterly envious and selfishly ambition? It says our reactions are one of two. We boast or we deny the truth. What do you think? That's interesting, right? Definitely. Why would you be boasting when you're selfishly ambitious and bitterly envious? Because you're trying to show other people and prove to them that, hey, I have I have something that I'm worth. Like right. I'm worth more than that person over there. You know, so it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's a false wisdom kind of thing that it's talking about because it so seems like boasting is a form of insecurity expressed as confidence. Yeah, yeah. And same with denying the truth is like, okay, I'm going to hide the truth about me and who I am, which is what I did most of my life, I guess, growing up and and through college and high school is like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna very much control everything I let people see, and I'm not gonna look at. I've never like until the last couple of years, I never reflected on anything that I was good at or bad at. I was like, I don't. I shied away from anything I was bad at. I was like, I don't want to. The truth meant nothing to me actually. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I never thought about the truth until I read the Bible. Like I was like, the truth is relative to what I think yes. and what I feel. Right. I agree. I'm like that. I was like, that's what. I, and see, what I love about what you're doing is what you're doing right now is what you do with the journal. You take a passage, you read the whole book of James. Yeah. But then this one lands on you. And then you sit down and you say, you know what's really resonating with me is James chapter three, verse 13 through 18. And then you take each verse and you write it out. And after you write down a verse, you write down, what does that verse tell me? Not what did the theologian say about it? Not what did the preacher say about it? Not about my cousin. What does it say to me? And what it says to me is God wants us to live a good life. Good is not perfect. Good is good hearted. Good is good toward people. You're going to sin, but you're trying to be, you're trying to be good in the eyes of God. And then he says, but if you get in a bitter envy and selfish ambition, you're not going to be living a good life. And you'll know you've gone down the tubes. Rhett's covered this really well. You'll know you go down the tubes when you start boasting and denying the truth. All right. Then he goes in verse 15, such wisdom does not come down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. Now, what put it on my mind, Carol, is when you were talking and you said that it, um, you said it, you know, it's devilish. That's the first place we go when we're religious. We always go to the, to the spectacle. And then we become preoccupied with, I'm devilish. <laughs> and then we don't, we don't, who wants to believe they're devilish? Yeah. And it ruins the whole thing. So that's why I say you start with the good life part. Oh. God's trying to say, here's how to live a good life. And then he's trying to say, the reason you're getting pulled in a lot living a good life is these spiritual forces of evil are always working on you to not live a good life. And and a couple of the baits they use on people is bitter envy and jealousy. Yeah. He goes, don't do it. Don't do it. Instead, live a really, really good life. And then he goes, for where there's self envy and selfish ambition, there also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. It's usually disorder in relationships, which Rhett kind of alluded to. And then he goes on and says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. What's he say about the guy with good life or the woman with good life? The good life is peaceful. They get along with people. They like people. They treat people well. They don't try to advance their cause. They're not in, in, in battles and arguments. That's the good life. I believe if you just take that snapshot and you work that in your journal and every day you get up in the morning, you put the, you put the date at the top of your page and you put the title at the top of your page, I want to live a good life. 
And then you ask yourself a question, what does a good life look like in me? And then you take that passage and you break it down and you say, you write down that first verse, then you write down the next verse and you say, okay, the next verse says bitter envy and selfish ambition. Well, I'll tell you what makes me envious or jealous is, is, is comfortable people and rich people. <laughs> Those are the two people that get me. Yeah, so every day I pray and I say, God, help me not to be envious of the comfortable and jealous of the wealthy. I don't have anything against comfortable people or, or, or wealthy people. I just have something against the fact that I'm not comfortable and I'm not wealthy. That's all I think about. And then I'm able to let go of that and go, okay, let me move on. So if I re- so if Rhett's driving the Ferrari he owns um, <laughs> and he's cranking along the road and that nice Ferrari he's got, then I'm looking at Rhett and I'm going, I'm glad Rhett's got a Ferrari and maybe he'll give me a ride one day because I want to live a good life. I want to be Rhett's friend. I don't want to have Rhett's Ferrari. And I think when you use a journal appropriately, you're writing down these scriptures and they're becoming anchors in your soul and your heart. And each day you begin your quiet time by just sitting down and going, let me go back over those. I may be, you know, Melissa, you were talking about all the different things that happen. I may be struggling to get ready for a final, but I'm not going to forget. I want to live a good life. What are you thinking about? What do you think about? What do you think about anybody? Oh, I was just going to say this helpful, like having the whole scripture in context there. Cause I know like we're talking about emotions when I'm emotional, I'm like the good life. Okay. That's what I want. The good <laughs> life, like my house, my car, the pool, the, yeah, you know, yeah. all that stuff. And so then when you kind of go on and it's like, so I guess that's why it's helpful to have it all written out too. So when I, I, I stay stuck to the scripture of like, okay, no, the good life is down here. That's the peace and the harvest of righteousness. And, like, like it, it helps my emotions to not, you know, yes. take That's over so and, and like read the scripture through this lens that I want to read it through of like, oh, I get everything I want. Like, okay. Yeah. Right. I totally think the opposite because I am like, I am of the devil. Like, I just go to the negative. Like, I'll read it. I'm and then the devil. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, the and, exorcist young lady. Yeah. And that's where, like, my emotions, like, end up taking over. So it's, like, it becomes, like, I've become afraid. I'm, like, I don't want to know more. Like, this is scary instead of the goal, which is the good life. And so what you want to do is you want to go back and read that section about how to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what that section, though, that, that section, how to read the Bible, is to get us out of reading the Bible just emotionally. That's why when I cover Bible translations... So if you're super emotional, you should not read the emotional accessibility (laughs) translations. Now, you may need to use them. So I use those emotionally accessible translations a lot because I speak to teenagers. I speak to college students. I speak to singles. I speak to people that are over 70, and I think to people that are under 17. And so I want them to all understand it. But me personally, because I'm so emotional, I tend to drift toward the ones who lean on accuracy because they don't give you the hooks. Like the message translation, which is not on my list, But the message, and I have nothing against it other than I don't think it is particularly helpful as a daily reading Bible. It has some good parts that translate well, but you want to, you want to, you want a translation that from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation gives you consistency in one area. And that one kind of moves around. Nothing bad about it. Keep reading it if you like it. But I'm just saying when I'm emotional, I need a translation that that focuses on accuracy. So it's not going to have any of those message translation words that are like, there's like 20 words for the one word, there, I'm not against that. So if you're if you're someone who feels, Melissa, you're saying it, it feels dry, get that, read that. But if you're someone who's super emotional and you're always taking words like devilish, the last thing you want to read is the message because who knows who knows <laughs> who what's knows in there about that? I have no idea. And again, I'm not down on it. I'm right. saying it's a trend. And so I think a lot of times emotional people want to read 
the emotional translations, uh-huh, yeah. and then very intellectual people want to read the very intellectual translations, and it should be the opposite. Mm-hmm. And what it does is those translations don't give you that out. They don't give you that word that allows you to go ahead and do it. You're well, gonna... that's the redefining of the scriptures, I think, that we're talking about. And that just helped, it helped me, just you're breaking that down, because I think I, I just don't redefine it for myself. Like the line by line really rewriting it, I think that helps me think about how to, just the structure of it in my mind or how to approach it instead of, cause usually I'll read a chunk, kind of reflect some thoughts on it where that's just different than redef- the redefining really, um, I don't know, that, that just sticks out for me. Well, and you have it, to read the whole book. I right. think a lot of problem is if you don't know the whole book, you're gonna have a real hard time letting, if you just go, I wanna go read James three, then you're not letting the whole book wash over you. And then you really want to figure out what is it I want to read. Let me let me let me just for fun. Let me just read this to you. Uh, do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do: live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. I like that. Mean spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you're wise isn't wisdom. I like that. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. I like all that. Now here you go. It's animal, cunning, devilish, conniving. That's the message. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna be. On, you, I mean, you're gonna. You know, you're gonna be on edge right there, man. You're gonna be like, oh, what happened oh, to kids? Oh, she was reading the message version again. We yeah. gotta pull her off the list. So I'm boasting and lying. Like, I just can't handle it. That's classic. What, what, did you say what happened to Kara? What happened to Kara? She's on the ledge. You gotta yeah. talk her down. Come on back in. You're not devilish, conniving, canoeing, all the. But I'm serious. I think a lot of us we get we get knocked out by that. Yeah. Now, I, so what are we talking about here? We, we really, I think, for a lot of us in this room, I probably spent more time doing it. You're learning that there is a work and an inspired and fun work of taking a journal and making it work for you. But you gotta be willing to do the work. I think most people don't wanna do that kind of work where they sit down, you go out for a walk and you pray and you come down and you sit down for 30 minutes or 45 minutes and you say, I'm gonna read a whole book of the Bible or I'm gonna read five chapters of the Bible or I'm gonna read three chapters of the Bible. Then I'm gonna sit down and say, what resonates with me? What do you think, Melissa? You look like you got an idea on your mind. Um, well, I think um, just this whole topic about emotion made me think of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one of the best prayers I had was when like after a long day and I was just feeling a lot and overwhelmed and stressed. And then I noticed, um, I don't know, a couple red flags like, oh, I feel like kind of jealous right now. Uh, and then I was like, oh, like. I don't know if that's really it. So I don't know what I was like. I think I just need to pray. So then I went out and I went to like the Baylands in my car and I just sat there and I cried and I prayed. And the one scripture that really like helps me like kind of get out of my emotions was Psalm 42, 5 in the voice. It says, why am I so overwrought? Why am I so disturbed? Why can't I just hope in God? Despite all my emotions, I will believe and praise the one who saves me and is my life. But a lot of the times when I'm in my emotions, I'm not even aware I'm in my emotions. Mm, yep. um, so then it takes me a minute to figure that out. But then it was cool because I felt like the scripture really made it clear of like, you know, okay, whatever you feel, you have to set that aside and you have to hope. Um, and I think that's like one of the things I can feel emotional about is like um, how I can feel like inadequate a lot in like every year of my life. And the only thing that really gets me out of that is like just, yeah, like hope that something could be different or that like, yeah, just to get that. And there's a scripture in Colossians that says we were, chapter one, I think it says we were enemies in our own minds because of uh, our, um, I forget what it is. It's our godlessness. You can, maybe Cameron, you can find it for us. But I think I've, I think everybody's dealt with that. But what I'd encourage you to do is like that's Can you read that Uh, for us? Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. 
And then, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And so that's a good scripture to lock into. And then to, for you, because you have such great skill. And I think I want to talk, uh, and Nathan can remind me before we're done. I want to talk about how each one of you can help the teens get into this. Because I think you'll be surprised how much better the teens will do if you help them put pen to paper in creative ways to remember it. And it doesn't have to be paper. It can be digitally. Um, I think the only problem with digitally is if it's a keyboard, ah, you know, that's tricky. If that's all they do is type. Um, I think there's less of an emotional connection to what you're doing when you type. Um, so, so what I think you can do that would really be inspiring for yourself and for other people is, can you take a passage like that and make it visual, mm-hmm. right? And, and create, I've seen this done and create a visual representation, like using the words, but maybe they're not in the exact you know, line by line order. And then for you, because of your talent, you could create a journal that is filled with these images. And I actually think it would change your life because you would believe it more. Mm-hmm. And the enemy in your own mind thing, he says, because of evil behavior in Colossians, and he's referring to the way you lived when you were godless. He's not saying because of your current sins. At least that's my reading of it in the past, unless someone knows something different. But I think it's important for us to understand that part of what the forces of darkness in the world are always trying to do is invade our minds and convince us of the lie. Mm -hmm. And it's all about it. Revelation 12 talks about the Satan is the great accuser. So it's all about creating in our own minds a negative view of ourselves and other people and a negative view of God so that we think negatively about all spiritual things. And what you do is scripture defeats negative thinking better than anything else in life. Mm-hmm. There's nothing as powerful. And that's what you did when you went out and prayed and read the scripture. You basically allowed the power of God's word. Remember, it's God's voice yeah. into your head. And when the Holy Spirit's living in you, it does some dramatically uh, transformative things. Go back and read Second Corinthians chapter um, 1 through 5 and just uh, marvel at... Um, especially the section chapter three at how the Holy spirit is supposed to become an intricate part of our life and transform us internally. I think that's the kind of thing that defeats it. And I think a lot of people like me, I, me too have these negative thoughts that incur and they are accusations. I think again, Ephesians six, I think that's why he calls the flaming arrows of the evil one. I think are more often than not intellectual, mental, emotional, attacks that cause us to spin out of control. Mm -hmm. And how did Jesus do it in Luke 4? He used the word of God to give himself the power to overcome the accusations were entering his head. Right. Well, and I think even that's crazy cool. And I think it it makes me think about that scripture you were saying with Jesus, because he had to combat, because Satan was actually coming at him with scripture too, but he had to know the scripture better. It just made me think about, oh, wow, if I don't redefine these scriptures, if I don't really get this like that I can be more easily swayed by whatever accusation because I'm even taking like you know it's like we could read the Bible and still feel accused yes and that's that's an interesting thought because I feel like the teens I know that can happen when they read it or they're they're even thought about God I think everyone's including my own just naturally that's why I think that scripture you resonates like mentioned with once we were enemies in our mind like we all were at one time and I think that's you know a lot of these teens I talk to it's like oh, this hard thing happened, so 
you know, how they're, how's their God? And I can do that in my own life. Like yes. why I'm going through hard things. And it's like, if we don't understand the scriptures about the, like what it says about hard things, what it says about the, like, then we can just attribute it to God and that he's evil or he's, you know. Well, and for a lot of kids, they need visual of that too. Yeah. You know, what's a visual look like of a hard thing? How often when you're having, uh, you know, studies and events with the kids, are you giving them a visual? Right. Um, when I used to do years back in the day, 1980s, um, hmm. when I was spoke at my first uh, youth uh, conference in New Hampshire, they had a play that they hmm. did, and they they that this is a big thing I think at these at, at youth things. I was never one of them go to youth things person. I'm still not, but I go to them. But I'm like, Ugh, yeah, no. Um, but the skit things are pretty cool because they give kids a way to visualize it, and it was this really corny story so i'm sitting there and i'm an arrogant college student you know and i'm speaking to the whole group it's about 600 700 kids you know and um so i'm sitting there watching this skit and they all come out and they're jumping around and making noise and it's some family and there's an argument and and then the i think the teen goes to her bedroom it's a young lady and she's you know sad and upset and she slips this is the part that was corny to me. She slips and falls out her window. <laughs> or something like that, right? But as she falls, she grabs the branch of the tree outside her window and she's holding on, but she can't pull herself up back in the room. And then um, uh, she's, you know, af- af- afraid to, to, let let go, go, to, yeah. to let go or to look down. And then God says to her in the, in the skit, um, you know, uh, she goes, help me, help me, help me. He goes, I will let go. And she's like, I can't let go. I'll fall on the ground. I'll, I'll injure myself. He goes, I'll, she goes, you're not helping me. He goes, I am helping you. Let go. And then the story goes on for a while. And then she finally lets go. And there was like some little ledge right below her feet that she just dropped down to. So it was even though cause she didn't look down, she didn't realize there was a little ledge down there. And they were trying to teach you that a lot of times what God is asking you to look frightening, but it really isn't because he's right. always going to take care of you. It's a, it's a, it's a, what is it? It's a dumb example. Uh-huh. In my mind, a dumb example <laughs> of visualization. Right. And I oftentimes we sit teenagers in front of us and talk to them, or then we do the opposite. We just play games. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how to take and say, how do you make the journey of knowing God an incredibly enjoyable game? Yeah. And that's by making things more visual, more real in a journal. Now, there's a section about buying a journal. Do any did you any, any of you did you did it, do any of you have or did you go get a journal? Or are you thinking about it? Yeah, I bought yeah, one. You bought did. One. You did. But I'm too scared to write in it because I don't want to mess it up. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like that. <laughs> so what I always do is I do. I'm like kind of crazy. I, I I always make sure I have a backup journal because I start getting what? freaked out about what I do, wow. and then That's I can extreme. flip to it. I never go to it, but it sort of gives me a sense of peace that if I mess this one up. I can just throw, toss it, and start over. I think that's probably a more artistic person's yeah. thing. Not that I'm a good artist, but what you you got your journal? You seem excited. Oh yeah, no, I I, I get excited about journals. Oh you do? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But lately, I don't know what I've been doing is, uh, which I, I thought was kind of different for at least for me was like, uh, like I choose like a theme with the journal that I have, oh, and cool. then I stick to like, okay, this is what I'm gonna learn. For like as it. long as I work on this one, so oh, I had wow. one over the summer that was like a, about. It, well, the theme was like chosen, but then I kind of morphed it into like kind of leadership and and kind of some stuff that me and you had talked about actually about being like a weak leader. And so that actually was helpful visually because every day it's like, okay, I'm hit. Like now, it, it helped me not get that. emotional and hit the same topic of 
This is what I'm working on. This is what I'm working on. And hopefully by the time you get to it, you've made a significant amount of progress. At the same time, you're not down on yourself because every day you're not necessarily arriving at the, uh, you know, the golden pot of the gold pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I love that. What, 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 what do you think about journal? Uh, so did, did you get I, one I, I no? have a bunch of journals that I, I'm sort of similar where I don't want to write it in unless yeah, it's a specific yeah. thing, yeah. but I've been way more digital these days. It's, what you got? Well, I use Evernote. Evernote. I like I okay. like okay. I like it. I'm Talk not very art- I'm not very artistic, so so for me, I I like the Tell writing me how aspect. You use it. I want to know. Well, about I it. have like a whole template that I that I use, and I'm gonna it, hack it and post it. So it's it's kind of like you know my focus up top, and then I have you know different bigger goals and, yeah, and yeah. spiritual goals, and then kind of I have my little daily to do. If I get distracted, throw those on there. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a tip that you put in there too that I that I've been implementing more, and then. Um, yeah. And then the, the note do you use tags journals. or anything like that. Uh, I, I do if I, if I want to find, if it's a specific theme yeah. and yeah, so I'll tag it. Uh, if I really want to, if I think it's really good. Is it free? Yeah. Evernote's free. Uh, there's a paid version, but I use the free version. It, it gives you a lot of space. For and free. you like it. Do you like it? Because it not only can be on a notebook, but it can also be on your device. Yeah. Uh, Cause I always, I have my phone with me sometimes and I like jotting things down on the phone. And so is and, it easy to cut and paste from your Bible app to the, uh, Definitely, definitely. And what um, Bible app do you use? I use Takarta. Okay. I like Takarta, and I have a I have some notes in there in Bible studies, but I I like I like the, it's just bigger and better in, in Evernote as far as note taking. You ability. seem very happy with it. I I enjoy it because I have while well, one of the things I do too is I write I write little poetry and rhymes, and so I've do had you really. I've had a long oh man, you're gonna have to give us list something. running. You're gonna have to give us some, and that's why I like it because it's more it feels more one. permanent, even though it also could it's more open to getting like breached, I guess. But I think, nah, uh, nah. but uh, for me, a journal, I feel like I'm going to lose it and then I'm going to lose the when, gold. When are we going to see some of the poems? I mean, if you, you know, if you really want to see it, man, just let I me need, know. I, 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 we, uh, at least one of these podcasts, we need to hear. Yeah, yeah. We need to I hear can bust one out. I've been writing. Well, the thing that inspired me about Melissa is I don't think I, I don't draw very well. So yeah. I can, but I, I know that I could probably learn. But I'm I'm stubborn and lazy. But I think uh, I do like writing poems. And so it's something I haven't done in a long time. But you made me think I should I rewrite it. scripture. I, I used to I rewrote, rewrote Psalm 77 one time and turned it into my own song. But I'm like, I need to do I should be doing that all the time. You but need I, to be talking to Mike on our team and yeah. put that to music. <laughs> yeah, I don't Seriously. do it. I know. I don't do I uh, You should. I, I forgot you did all that stuff. Yeah. So the reason I'm getting into it is because, number one, the point I'm trying to make about your, I like handwriting, obviously, that's yeah. my bias. But the point I'm trying to make is you gotta find something you're excited about. When I look at you and I see you so excited about it, I go, that's how you ought to feel. Right. A person, that whether it's digital, it's two pieces of paper glued together by Elmer's or whatever <laughs> it is, you ought to feel personally excited about it. Right. If you're writing on a wall, as long as it's your apartment and house, but if you're writing on a wall, do it. I, I don't really right. care. I think the thing is, it's that kind of communication with God Right. That, that that I think puts you on another level. So so I, I'm gonna the reason I think a journal is so important is because sometimes it can I'm coming back to what you were talking about, Melissa, it can reduce the volume of text. So let's say that, mm. that each not each team, but let's say you had a teen who doesn't like reading the Bible and you have your own journal. Brett did his whole journal. He had mm. a theme of leadership or something, right? Yeah. That's probably not a theme any of them would really be into. So let's pick right. a simpler theme anxiety they'll probably be into that right so you decided to put in your journal stuff on overcoming anxiety and then you take what you've done and you every day or every week you pick the favorite scriptures that you've written down so as you're going through and doing your study on uh, your studies on anxiety and emotion what we talked about earlier 
you're you're taking maybe three to five to seven scriptures every time, and then you're putting them into something like Evernote. So I do take what's in my journal and then make it digital. I prefer to go print first. Um, so you take that and let's say you put five scriptures in Evernote, and then those are just five scriptures, and you call it, um, you know, and then maybe if you're Cameron, you put five scriptures. And and a and a poem at the end, yeah. and then you then you call it whatever the give me a name of a poem you've got anything. Um, I think I think I, I give simple titles like I just put you as like one of the recent Beautiful. ones. Or like friend, so, yeah. So you? Yeah, it was just so you. so I just just go you you put at the top you, and then you write you know maybe one sentence. This is a set of scriptures that talks about you when you're anxious, and then you put those scriptures down and instead of the kids getting a bound journal, they get a loose leaf one. And that way you just print it out. Yeah. Put it now in there. It, it may be to, or, or you can even make one that's just, it doesn't even have to be a journal. It could be I me. Mean, it, it could be, there's those ones where you punch holes and you right. stick these clips inside of them. I forget, you know, it's like three look, there's all kinds of oh, ways yeah, to bound yeah, these right. pages. But if you find a way to bound the pages that more can be added, yeah. And so what you're trying to do is reduce the size of the Bible yeah. right. for them. And so if I if you sit down and let's say, you know, you guys really decided to be creative and then Melissa was creating a few hand you just right. things you draw in your journal, they're handwritten, and then you just print it out. You don't yeah. like go put it on you don't make a big job of it. You just print it out or something like that. And you put it in there for a kid, like just one kid. Then that kid gets those five scriptures and you say, hey, why don't you just read this each day yeah. and start there? Yeah. You don't need to even read your Bible. I've put this together. And then over time, they've right. got the pages. And then you show them, hey, here's how you let me let me show you how to let me show you how to draw something or let me show you how to let me show you. How, maybe the kid likes the poem. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think whatever you do to get someone inspired about reading the Bible is going to take creative effort. Yeah, and I, and what what happens is, I got this listening to what Melissa was sharing earlier. What people are trying to do is, how do you take the multi-volume Bible and make it accessible, given the number of words? Mm-hmm. And I think if each time you met with the kid, you said, "Hey, here's another page," right? Then the next thing you know, they're getting a little journal full of pages and in one week maybe or in seven weeks they've got seven pages or in seven weeks they've got 20 pages whatever it may be yeah and then the kid sits down and reads that and what it becomes is the gateway to actually reading the bible right you start with a small amount of text customized for me and then you go and you say okay now we've built a journal of scripture for you and i think you would be amazed how many kids would read that yeah as opposed to taking on the digital or right. even audio version, or more importantly, you can read it to them. Like if, like if it was me, I'd create a journal just for my kids and I'd be like, hey, can I read my, my journal to you? You know, today I was at Starbucks and I was drinking a, <laughs> uh, you know, a chai tea latte uh, and in walked this homeless guy. And I thought, what do I do? I've got to be at work in a little bit, but this guy has nothing to eat. And I thought of this scripture and I wrote it down in my journal, and then I went, I'm going to go buy this guy food. Like, I think the experiential treatment of Scripture mm-hmm. in a journal effect, and then a kid over time has what you have. They've got, you know, 14 days of, of things to read. These are things that I think you can do. Yeah, with yeah that's, that's helpful. And you can do this with anybody. 
Yeah. That seemed impossible. No, that seems really no. cool. Yeah. You got the endurance to do it? I know, right? That's what it takes. <laughs> it takes so. work. Yeah. I work at it every day. I work every day. And I work on myself. And the reason I'm never, you, you called me up and said, hey, um, go talk to whoever about whatever. I just did a talk yesterday. I don't want to say where because it's someplace sort of private, doesn't involve any of us. But I did a talk yesterday and I came up with a um, don't run. I just created a don't run uh, little talk about um, how uh, James won, how easy it is to run from things. And I, huh. I, I basically said everyone's running from something. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I went through and I said, number one thing is talent is not enough. That no matter what you do, sooner or later, you're going to run into something where your talent is insufficient for the task. And for some of us, we don't see that in high school. We don't see that in college. It doesn't come till we get a job and we suddenly go, oh, man, my talent's not enough. Mm. Uh, one of the other points I make in there is that arrogance always loses. Mm. Mm. That no matter how you slice it, arrogance always loses. At the end of the day, if you're arrogant, eventually you'll be defeated. Mm-hmm. That all came from, I don't know, six months of writing things in my journal. And then one day it just congeals and you have it. I think a lot of reason people are superficial is their journal is super thin. This is Deep Spirituality. We had a good time today. We hope you enjoyed this. Uh, uh, When you uh, you receive this will be, I'm not sure when you'll receive this, but be sure to visit deepspirituality.net and take advantage of the extraordinary ream of resources built around how to have a great quiet time. Check out more content there. Also subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate you listening. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate and review the show. Five stars will help us out a lot. The reason it helps us out is that I learned this from Bill Simmons is that people can't find the podcast if those of you who listen don't rate it and review it because it doesn't it doesn't float to the top. Share about the show uh, in like use Facebook Messenger to share it with friends that might be interested in spiritual things. Some people aren't. Um, you know, you use whatever mechanism you can, but help us out by doing that. I will say thanks to those who've been doing it because we've noticed an uptick of significance in the number of people listening. And it's because of all of you great listeners. And don't be afraid to email us. I think they can email us, right? Yep. Because some people who I know have, have given me some ideas, like what I talked about uh, earlier. I don't know where it'll show up about the literary reading of the Bible. We do care what you think. And a lot of you guys give us really, really cool ideas. Podcast at deepspirituality.net. That's the email. Podcast at deepspirituality.net. Send us any insights or ideas of what we can do in the future. Uh, and please, uh, or thank you for your patience. Uh, we're trying to get better at this. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes we're not so good, but we're always trying. Despirituality, we're out.